0: Insane not or. Welcome to episode 229 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast. My name is Paul Hirsch. Joining me during this uh, bye week, that's what it is, isn't it? It's a bye week, is the custard to my apple crumble, the strictly to my come dancing and the cock to my fosters. It's Nathan Palmer. Hello, Nathan.
1: How you doing, my son? Good to check in on this this bye week. You know, a bit of a strange one when the Bengals aren't playing. You get to sit back and watch other teams around the league. But I think we can all say now we can see our Bengals in the distance playing in the 49ers this week in what is going to be a blockbuster of a tie. I think we can both agree.
0: Yes, absolutely. And um, uh, I always find bye weeks funny. Uh, part of me wants just, to, just wants to kick back and watch red zone and enjoy... Uh, an evening of NFL, hassle and emotion-free, and the other half might want to kind of disengage with the NFL completely and just go out and do something. And last night, I went out and did something. But it did have a Bengals theme last night. Go on. Well, I went to see our pal, who has appeared on this podcast and also um, our online tailgates, uh, Nicholas Johnson, uh, Cincinnati's finest, um, he's been on tour if you don't know nicholas is a singer songwriter in the americana stroke kind of folk kind of area and uh and he's been on tour throughout ireland and uh england scotland and england um these past this past week or so he has actually just going to uh to Italy for a bit of a European leg of his tour. And I managed to catch him last night in, in High Wickham. There you go. of How all places. It? High Wickham, not the most glamorous. Apologies to those who do live in High Wickham. It's a perfectly lovely, a lovely town, but um perhaps not the most glamorous. But um it was an extraordinary gig, Nathan. Yeah, it's great. And, a, nice. and I tell you why it was an extraordinary gig. So I got in touch with Nick and I kind of said, yeah, I'm up for tonight. And he said, oh, uh, I sort of said, where's the venue? What's the venue called? And I'll, I'll come down. And he said, it's not really a venue. It's someone's house. <laughs> and I was like, All right. OK, so he gave me the address. So I bowl up to this house and it is in a a little kind of uh, close, I guess you'd call it, or a street um, in the middle. It's very residential. It was a semi-detached Uh, house and you're kind of thinking this is this is not this is not this can't be right and you walk in the front door and it's quite chintzy it's got like 70s style uh, carpets it's got uh, well maybe not 70s uh, but you know 80s 90s style carpets maybe Um, some flowery wallpaper and you walk into the kitchen and there's some geyser popping some sausage rolls into the oven and a, and a kind of a, a, an aldi pizza
1: this is a full-on swingers party you've gone to is <laughs> and
0: i well this is the thing i kind of thought have i have i just walked into some bloke's house and he's like smiling <laughs> at me and thinking yeah he's guys kind of saying welcome welcome um but it wasn't it was uh another bunch of guys were there as well and maybe this was turning into a bit of a swingers party who knows um but so basically this guy has, has turned his conservatory into a gig venue.
1: <laughs> I'm sure his neighbours love that.
0: And it's extraordinary. I've never after you know, thirty odd years of going to see gigs in all kinds of different places, I'm really into live music, so I go and see a lot a lot of shows each year. I have never never <laughs> I've never seen anything like it. And uh, you know, you're walking around you hit this guy's kitchen and he's put out a couple of tunnocks tea cakes, which is very good of him, uh some pizza and a couple of beers, and you're standing there and there's his living room with all his family photographs around and whatnot, and then you just walk into his conservatory through the patio doors. And there's the venue and there's like about ten seats and that's the that's the capacity. And he, he's legit, he sells tickets through, you know, legitimate as I say, um, ticket vendor and he has sort of one man or one woman acts you know with a guitar he's got a full pa in there the shows are over by about eight nine o'clock it's it's insane but entirely brilliant and uh nicholas absolutely slayed it last night he was terrific even though you know there was like about eight people there or something like that but yeah that was that was that was my Um, And I was relaying scores to Nick because he wanted to know how the Ravens-Lions were getting on and also the Colts and the Browns. So, yeah, it was a fun evening. Great to see Nicholas. I'm looking forward to catching up with him in a couple of weeks in Cincinnati. Um, So uh, that was my Sunday night, Nathan. Um, Quite odd, but very enjoyable at the same time.
1: Well, absolutely. I mean, it's certainly some of the, one of the more different stories we've ever had to kick off an episode Cincinnati. Right? But but there we are.
0: Yeah, always good to big up uh, Nicholas's music. Uh, go to nicholasjohnsonmusic.com uh, to listen to his new album, Shady Pines. Uh, it's it's really very good. So um, check that out, uh, Cincy-based people. And also British-based people, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll hopefully see Nick on uh, again on these shores very soon. What did you? What did you end up uh, doing last night, Nathan?
1: I got home from the airport about six o'clock. Got a curry in, got some uh, nice bit of sparkling water in, and just sat there, <laughs> feet up, with a blanket around me, watching seven hours of commercial-free football.
0: I, uh... Listeners, you may be thinking, sparkling water? What the hell is he talking about? Um... I I have borne witness to this extraordinary habit of Nathan's. You like sparkling water. You drink it as if it's kind of, you know, going out of fashion, don't you? And, um... Uh... You... You... I was worried for you. Maybe you haven't hit hit that age yet, as I have, where if you drink too late at night, you're guaranteed to wake up in the middle of the night and do a big fat wee-wee. Um... But you 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 we stayed up there when I stayed around yours a couple uh, like last weekend wasn't it it was the weekend before the one that just gone um you were there swigging on this big bottle of of uh of sparkling water and uh uh and yeah and that was like about half twelve in in the morning. <laughs>
1: But <laughs> you cannot beat it, a bit of sparkling water. It gives you a nice little kick to it. You can put it in the fridge, have a bit of a lemon or a lime with it if you're feeling a bit exciting. But oh, it's a nice way to hydrate in the evening, and you know that, that little kick it gives you the, the carbonations. But absolutely love. I'm a bit of a sucker for stuff like that. Yeah, you know? no,
0: I'm I, I'm with you. I'm into the carbonated water, and uh, depending on what where you read, um, uh, it is uh, it's either good for you or not very good for you. So. Um, Uh, I think it doesn't matter as long as you enjoy it, Nathan. That's the main thing, I think. Um, As you can tell, there is no structure to this episode. We weren't going to do one, actually, because there's not that much to talk about. And then we decided, you know what, let's have a natter. Let's think about what this podcast is called. It's called Natter. So let's have the natter for the week, Um, even if it is about sparkling water or gigs in people's houses. Um... Uh, but we need to talk about Bengals stuff a little bit, don't we? So, I mean, what what, uh, what are you saying about... Uh, any any other business you want to get through first before we start talking about the Bengals, or...?
1: No, I'm ready to just dive straight in. I've been watching a bit of the pro football talk show on Sky, Phil Sims and Florio having a bit of a natter away, so I'm quite prepared for it myself, you know.
0: Oh, good stuff. Less said about the old Florio, the better, I think. Anyway, what we are going to do, we're going to do this. <laughs> Pick six is something we drag out when we can't be asked to do anything else, and um, and this week we can't be asked to do anything else. So we, what we're going to do is just p- go between us both and pick uh, an observation because we are because it's weird, isn't it? It's a slightly earlier bye week than we're used to, so it's not really. We can't go out and give in half t- uh, half season reports and uh, you know half term reports and all that kind of stuff because it's just not. We're not even hit, hit, We've not even hit the. The uh, the the halfway point of the, the season, really, but the bye week is is generally and traditionally a uh, a time for reflection, isn't it? And uh, um, you know, it's 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 been a weird season so far, I think, and especially when. We talked about watching games last night and you, you saw the Ravens. It wasn't a very good weekend for the Bengals, I have to say. No. The Ravens absolutely smacked the Lions uh, underlining their credentials. Uh, you know, like when they get it right, they are a very good team. Um, uh, the Steelers and the Browns somehow keep winning. I know, I kind of know why they're doing it because they've got a champion defence to both of them and and, you know, they've got game wreckers really in TJ Watt and Miles Garrett respectively but they, they they're they just finding ways to win so both of those guys are 4 and 2 I believe uh, what are the Ravens What are the Ravens? 5 and 2 5 and 2 so we're, we need to you know pick up the pick up the, the slack really and get going um, do you want to go first what's your first observation it could be a positive it could be a negative um, what's what's on your mind
1: I, to, I think you have to start. I mean, it depends how granular we go. We've got six picks. I think we've got to start at the head of the horse here and just talk about the man that you turn up, pay the money to see on game day, Joe Burrow. Obviously, calf injury before he came into the season. Um, started the season off, reaggravated it. We're seven weeks into the season now. What do you think about Joe Burrow? So, do you expect? I mean, I saw a video of him just before we came has started the pod, him sort of like running around, doing some drills, people saying they reckon it's the best his footwork's looked in a long time now. I'm not sure if that's just people um, wanting the best and wanting to believe the best and trying to psych themselves up that we might finally see all the real package from Joe Burrow. But obviously with that huge contract as well, expectations are up the team is in a difficult spot in terms of the AFC and most particularly the AFC North as you've just alluded to but what are you looking to see from Joe Burrow going up against the 49ers who alright they're going to be coming off a short game week but are you expecting from Joe Burrow big stuff down the stretch when, when, it, when it matters?
0: Yeah, I mean he's got to, I mean the plain fact of the matter of it's not played very well and I mean I'm I'm surprised how much the calf affects him, if I'm going to be honest. Um, just because, you know, you see other you know, quarterbacks like Rodgers go through a calf strain and play through it and play you know, pretty well. Um, but this this seems to really knock the stuffing out of Joe, and not just physically, but also mentally as well. Like, it, it seems... And he's sort of catching up, you know. There's glimpses of the, the old Joe Burrow, you know, some fantastic um, fantastically accurate passes and he took had that fan, that, that brilliant deep shot to uh, Jamar against the Cardinals but again against the Seahawks it sort of reverted back to to type really um, and he played reasonably well and he was moving well against the Seahawks but second half it was dreadful and he looked a, oh. he looked a little bit off in terms of timing. Uh, he was throwing the ball behind a Smith a little bit. He was uh, overthrowing Jamar down the sideline, underthrowing him as well, leading to that interception by Trey Brown. He just looked a t- he just looks a little bit off. He's a bit inconsistent at the moment, and um, that coupled with some pretty conservative play calling, um, I don't know. It's it's like his confidence. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Who knows what's going inside his brain? Because he's a—we all know that he's a very confident young lad, and he's—he's he's got you know real mental toughness there from what he's been through in his short career. But I—I I just got a feeling outside of the 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 knee injury, this is this is a different kind of challenge, you know, for him. It's a—it's about. Getting back on track, and you know he hasn't had a preseason, so he's not quite in sync with his receivers. So yeah, it's, it's he needs to get better, full stop. Because I think his calf is—you know—you saw it against the Seahawks. He was moving really well. He moved pretty well against the Cardinals, actually. I thought, but um he needs to be better. He just needs to be better. I just—I don't think he's quite there timing-wise yet.
1: I think if you're going to give him any credit, and to sort of. <laughs> You know, take that as one step further. Not only did he not have a preseason, but he didn't have a full training camp either. And not that there's been prolific changes on that offense. You still got the same sort of personnel out there in key skill positions, but you have lost people like some RJP. Ryan. he's got a new left tackle, new tight end, a couple of new receivers that are in the frame as well. So I do think that must have played a part in it. And obviously, you start that season off and you play some great defenses. You like you talked about the Browns, the Ravens have got a very good defense as well. So he did come up against some fairly fierce, you know, competition in those first couple of weeks. But he's got to step up and he's got to step it up quick. You know, there, there's not much time for the Bengals to muck around. You've got some, I think I saw the other day, the Bengals got the second hardest remaining schedule in the NFL. And it, it is brutal. And if there's ever a time that you're going to have to lean on your um, quarter of a billion um Dollar quarterback that you're now paying, it has to be now. He has to step up. He has to make Irv Smith look good. If he's not playing well, he has to make people like Chase Brown, Joshua, some of those guys on the periphery. He has to step up and you know really sort of lead from the front there because that's what you're paying him to do. That's what we know he can do. But I tell you, like that is that's where this team's gonna gonna win or lose. As good as Jamar Chase is, he's not good enough alone to propel this team. Um, to 10, 11 wins which you'll probably need to get us into the playoffs it's going to need to be Joe Burrow put the team on his back be healthy lead and play play very 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 well I would like
0: to see him um, trust a few of his lads though it it seems to me that he's just you know kind of going to chase maybe that's that's a bit unfair but trust Irv Smith a bit more trust Joe Mixon out the backfield a little bit more Um, trust uh, his other guys, you know, um, but then those other guys have got to go over. It. I mean, you've got to say that T Higgins has not had a great start to the season. Is it because he's got this contract stuff hanging over him, or is it because he's also be, he has been a bit banged up? Obviously, he's playing with a fractured rib, so you know that's going to take it out of you. But even before that, he wasn't. You know, so I think everyone's got to step up basically, and I think Joe has too. Um, all right, I'm going to go for something positive, Nathan. Go on. I'm going to go for Dax Hill and um I think he's been tremendous. Um and we talked a lot in the in the off season about which players need to we need to see uh a progression and um and I think we've certainly Okay, well, you know, you talk about say no, I'm going to talk about that later, but certainly Dax Hill I think he's had a tremendous start to the season he's been he's been in the backfield he's been breaking up passes um he's you know he's no Jesse Bates yet but he's I think he's been a, a really um able uh I won't say standing because that's he's not a standing he's his own man and and that starting spot is his I I just think he's been great and um good for him basically
1: no, I couldn't agree more and him and Cam Taylor Brick together in that secondary, it's a really positive um, outlook for the future, isn't it? That we, we always say that you want these guys to step up, you really want them to play at a, an exceptionally high level and... When, you, when you're going out there and you're drafting some of these guys I'm obviously, especially these guys like Dax Hill you know first round pick you really want there's a lot of pressure there for them to perform you know the Bengals historically going back sort of you know 5-10 years there was a couple of misses in there a couple of sort of you know players that were sort of half decent you really felt like they could sort of kick on but perhaps never reached those heights it's still early for Dax Hill you know we're only six weeks into the season he's had one of those picks he had a couple of sacks he had a few very good tackles for losses and you know really looks like he's playing with confidence but I still want to see him take a step for you know further forward really sort of you know drive that forward down the stretch and the way the offense has been playing you want them to turn it around but at the moment the defense is what's winning us games and for someone like Dax Hill, if he can take his game even further um, down the stretch make some key plays you know that might be the difference Um, for us getting to the playoffs so yeah like you said I'm excited um, from what I've seen from him so far Mm, your turn Um, the trade deadline and it's a bit of an obvious one and we've sort of loosely touched on it last week but a lot of people talking about it writing about it this off-sea this sort of bye week and the classic names are coming up i think everyone's talking about the, the running back situation the tight end situation there's a couple of people that have sort of loosely mentioned oh you know we could actually use a bit of help on that d line maybe just add a bit into the rotation there at end just give us a little bit more ferociousness up front but the main names that are being talked about p ryan has been talked about and everyone kind of across the board seems to think that there might be a very good chance of that happens. But you don't, obviously. do you? You're not quite so sure, I don't think. I, I'm not so sure, no, because I just think with some RJP Ryan, I mean, you look at him in Denver, he's, he's, he's quite. I know he's had a couple of um, injury knocks, but he's basically the third stringer there, averaging three and a half yards of carries, 28. There's not a huge amount of upside to him. He'd very much be sort of short term rental. And I think you've got a couple of younger guys there, like your Travions, your Chris Evans, your Chase Browns. I just to me it's like give them guys the chance i just think but they're not giving know, them the
0: chance so that's the problem they are well, not giving them a chance but,
1: but i think if you were throwing travion in there and saying to him look son is eight carries a game is you know is a couple of you know passes out of the backfield whoever out of the three of them and they were grinding out two yards two and a half yards a carry i think you could perhaps turn around and say well actually yeah it'd be great to get some rjp ryan back he knows the system he's a fairly good blocker um you know great stuff but they haven't done that and i think not that it is a slap round the face to those guys but which, which one of them is inactive on game day who gets cut in that situation you know uh, that, that's yeah it. i just I, well, I i know what you mean um and it's a decent whack of money that Sam RJP Ryan's on, you know. He's not on yeah, you know, yeah, rookie minimums or well, anything. Well, this
0: is the other thing with trade deadlines. It's it's what you can afford because you're gonna pick up that person's contract more No, exactly. And you're gonna so, you,
1: you, you would not you wouldn't need to spend a lot in terms of draft capital to acquire some RJP Ryan. You probably just swap picks or something, you know, really sort of mundane. I think the Bengals got nine picks in or an estimated nine picks in the upcoming drafts. So they've certainly got what it takes to do something with it, but I, I just don't think it gives you much of an upside. It's not like you're bringing in a guy that's a, you know, a starting running back around the league that you. Really no, but like it gives you valuable.
0: Take. I, I really do think you know Peter was quite a valuable player. I mean, he's not again, he's not a starting running back, and I know this sounds strange, but I do think he was really valuable the plays he made did you not do you not remember that Bills game how hard he was to bring down um, no I know I know he can play and he scored it. touchdowns yeah. uh, you know I'm not saying he's a world beater he's not a thousand yard uh, a year but he's a really handy player and it just shows you when you haven't got that depth um, I'm still shocked actually that they haven't picked up four net I really am I think he's the one quality now when I say quality what? I, let me qualify that uh, that's still left out there. Quality in terms of what's still left out there. He's done it before. He's won a Super Bowl. He hasn't got the pop of old, but as a depth piece on a minimum contract for the rest of the year, he's good in pass protection. What? 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 Why? Why not? And I know he went uh, went up to the Bills for a, a workout, but I'd like to see the Bengals at least kick his, kick his, you know, his tires.
1: I don't know if he's a bit past it though, is he? I, I mean, he, yeah, but in a, in a backup role, in yeah. a in
0: a in a supporting role to Mixon, I and he's fresh because he hasn't played so far this season. I mean,
1: I I just I the the reason I think the Bengals won't make a move at running back if they do make a move is because they just not that they don't value the running games. That's a bit harsh, but they just aren't investing a lot into it anyway. You know, you're giving Joe Mixon twelve fifteen carries a game they are fully behind Joe Mixon. They're paying him to be the number one. They believe in him as the number one. They believe in him as a leader. I think they're very much just going to keep riding that. And they're just going to say, look, we're happy with that. And if we do need to run out Travion Williams for, you know, a couple of carries or whatever, Mm -hmm. then they might do that. But I think it's a very dangerous strategy because I do think Joe Mixon has taken a step back. I d I don't think he's been the player he was a couple of years ago when he was running hard and a lot of people just said. Well you he's know, running
0: hard. A... I don't think there's you can't question the the effort. No, I'm not I'm just, I'm just you being know
1: what I mean? out output and explosiveness yeah, 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 yeah. and you know, the fact that I think he's just dropped off a bit. Like I don't think anyone now would look around the NFL and say, Oh, you know, Joe Mixon's one of those top running backs. So I just don't think some RJP Ryan. I don't think Leonard Fournette. I don't think it gives you an upgrade really on what you already have. I think you'd be spending but if Fournette
0: money on a, an upgrade on Travion and, and Chase Brown. I mean, just I, for I, this I, season, I don't know. I think it might be at least get him in for a workout.
1: You know, yeah, yeah, maybe you're right, but I, it doesn't. Doesn't doesn't grab me. It doesn't inspire a ton of confidence in me, really. But I mean, you know, like you said, if it's a cheap deal and you're not having to give any picks up for it, what what's the harm? Well, he's a free agent, so yeah. yeah. It's just to me, it's like you'd quite like to see some of these younger guys be given a chance rather than you know handing handing a couple of million over to Leonard Fournette, you know, for five carries a game. But I don't know. In terms of other draft, like just quickly on the trade deadline. Tight end is another one. A lot of people saying yeah. Hunter Henry's name um, yeah, yeah. has come up. Possibly Gasicki as well at the Patriots. The problem is, you talk about teams that are going to be selling and teams that might you know, just be like, God, oh, sod this, can't be bothered anymore. The only team really out there that's completely kaput this it's season. Carolina. Exactly, with Hayden Hurst. You talk yeah. about bringing another guy back. Um, I, again, I don't think the Bengals will do it because I don't think they'll want to pay the money and give up you know, the draft capital yeah, to go yeah, and bring yeah. back a player like that. They, they could have paid Hayden Hurst. They didn't. Um, they gave that money to Irv Smith. So I don't think they're going to want two players like that on the same roster. But, you know, you talk about the Patriots and the people like the Broncos as, oh, they're just going to be giving it up. I mean, they've only won one game less than the Bengals. You know, so it, it's a hard one, really, at this point in the season to sort of say, oh, yeah, you know, we're buyers and sellers when, you know, every single team in the AFC has won two games. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah, a very yeah. congested <laughs> league. You know, you've got people like the Patriots, who people are saying, oh, Belichick might be on the way out, stick a fork in them. You know, I still don't believe the Patriots are going to be a very good team. But, you know, what a win that is against the Bills to keep things tight and keep the divisions tight. Miami got done over last night by the Eagles. So mm. apart from the Chiefs, you know, you look around the AFC and you think, Everyone's got a bit of a chance here. If they put a bit of a run together, they're going to be luck here or there, you know, depending on the schedules. So yeah. that's the hard part of it. But I would like to see the Bengals be really be quite aggressive here because, you know, th- there is only so many ch- times you're going to be in this position where you've got a sort of young, quality team. Obviously, that contractor, Joe Burrow, now he's going to make that more difficult moving forward as to, a, you know, the sort of a talent that you can keep on your team and accumulate. This is one of the best rosters we've ever had. You know, yeah. I, I don't yeah. think it's quite as good as the roster we had last year but it's certainly not far off we're healthy yeah. I know that schedule is going to be something that people are going to look at and say they're going to need to play really well to get into the postseason. season yeah, and, and but, they
0: did they did last year, didn't yeah. and they went on that crazy 10-11 exactly. game then, run you know
1: and you'd almost rather that because they were putting up a bit a picture of Detroit's schedule the rest of the way out when I was watching the TV earlier and it's one of the easiest remaining schedules you could ever see lots of easy games and you look at that and you think that's all well and good but when it comes to the playoffs and you've got to go away and play the 49ers, the Eagles, whoever else you're perhaps not prepared for that level of competition and yeah, yeah. to be fair to the Bengals if they've got to play you know, the Ravens again the Steelers twice, the Browns you've got to play the Chiefs, the Bills, the 49ers if you make it to the playoffs, having gone for all of that, and you got Joe Burrow healthy, this team will be ready to take anyone on. So I think that is the one positive side um, of that. And for that reason, I think they should go out there and try and make a big move. Try and do something to just galvanise, yeah. get a new face in the locker room, You know, get the fan base behind it. It doesn't need to be throwing first, second round picks around or anything like that. But just someone, maybe even on the defensive line, just to give a bit of a spark, get yeah, a bit yeah. of a a uh, bit of a lift for those guys in the locker room yeah, yeah. Um, to just show that you mean business.
0: Yeah, no, I don't disagree. Um, bring back CJ from the Jets. He's doing fuck all in New York. Um, yeah, yeah. But he's then again, a he's, Yeah, I know. Right? Yeah. They're paying him silly money to do fuck all. <laughs> um, which sounds like good business, you know. If you're if you're that player, I mean, obviously I saw... he he's a great guy, and he's obviously trying his best out there, you know. But uh...
1: on that line, I saw Carl Lawson's name was another one that came up.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I mean. <laughs> The Bengals are philosophically opposed to trades. They pull one off now and again, but not of any great shakes in terms of around the league. It's not a blockbuster. It's not like a Rams going out and getting Von Miller or whoever it yeah. might be, or maybe he was a free agent. I don't know. But you know what I mean, though? Like The Rams went, really went out and, and aggressive, and look, yeah. they won the Super Bowl because of it. Um, Yet yeah, we're careful. We're methodical. We don't, we don't overspend. We don't... We we stick to our means. We do not like giving picks to opponents or adversaries or enemies. We're just philosophically opposed to trades. But now, every now and again, there's a Reggie Nelson that will come
1: along. Yeah. Or, do you know uh, what I was thought was interesting? Mid-season, the Bengals have only ever yeah. made two trades in about the last 20 years. And it was when Carlos Dunlap pretty much forced their hand. Yes. Um, and put them in a bit of an un you know, completely Carson up- as well?
0: Carson as yeah, well. Yeah, and that's yeah.
1: it and that's what I mean. It's like both yeah. times was just players basically saying to the Bengals, look, I'm such a troublemaker here, or I'm not gonna play. Yeah,
0: yeah, yes.
1: You've got no choice here but to make something happen. That yeah. they have never knowingly really gone out there and been like, Oh actually we're gonna acquire someone. Both times in those deals they were sellers. You know, I know they've got yeah, BJ yeah. Finney from um, the Seahawks but you know he never really played And didn't we it...
0: trade for BJ Hill or was he a free I think we traded for BJ nah, he's Hill free agent, free
1: agent. right yeah um,
0: yeah I mean we all criticised Carlos for being a complete arse <laughs> when he was when he was playing up and had that ridiculous was it Instagram live where he just sat oh, there and ate know, a mate. big packet of crisps uh, because he knew that people would be tuning in just to hear him slag the Bengals off, and see. but he didn't. He just sat there and just
1: kind of smiled and chuckled. It's got to be one of the most bizarre moments. hundred percent, hundred percent. And
0: um, but actually, what he was doing, like you say, he was playing quite a canny game because the only way that he was going to let go, be let go, is if he was going to cause so much trouble that they just couldn't take it anymore. And I don't think the Bengals could take it anymore. Um, which is a shame because Carlos is a bit of a ledge, really isn't he and um yeah um but still there we go um right I'll have a go at something I'm going to I'm as much as I've loved seeing Dax Hill um go to the next level let's just <laughs> let's be a bit negative here talk about some of the guys that have not progressed um and we've mentioned these guys in early in the off season or during the off season Saying that they, we'd like to see them progress, like the like uh, them to, to go to the next level. Number one is Cordell Volson. Yep. By all by all accounts, everything coming out of training camp, he looked really good. Looked as a you know prime candidate for going to the next level, which is exactly got what we needed. You know, he we got some good production out of his rookie season last year. By no means perfect, far from it, but you know, certainly a good start from from. From Volson, but he looks he looks a bit all at sea this year, and I think teams are really targeting the interior of our line. And again, I mentioned this before last year. You know, the tackles were having a nightmare, and the interior looked pretty good. This year, the interior are looking quite average. Alex Kappa aside, and the the tackles aren't looking too bad at all. So goodness me it's it's either or um from season to season and i think teams are really attacking volson and really attacking carras as well um or you know and and it's you can see it in the pff scores but um and and ratings so yeah uh, cordel volson has not progressed and the other one that i was hoping for some major progression and i haven't seen anything yet is Zach Carter on the defensive line? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm scared that, you know, we're just going to be playing B.J. B.J. Hill and D.J. Reader, pretty much every snap, and that's not good. We need to have some, you know, I, I noticed that they put uh, Cam Sample, um, put, put him inside, uh, on pass rushing downs, um, last week, and he got, a, or the last time they played, and they got a sack, so, or he got a sack rather, um, underrated Cam Sample. I think a, good, a really good sort of rotational player, I think. He's been great for us. Um, but, yeah, I, I, Zach, Zach Carter, I beg your pardon, is not, um, has not progressed or caught the eye as much as I'd hoped, really. So those two guys I'm a bit disappointed with.
1: No, I think you're right. I mean, just quick question to you on the first guy, and we'll go through the others very quickly. Cordell Volster, how much do you put on front? Frank Pollock for that because a lot of big, it's a name that comes up a lot, both for good and bad reasons. Yeah. But you do look at that line, and I mean, you, you paid big money for Orlando Brown, you can't say a huge amount there. There's a couple of guys again that you've got out and gotten free agency. It really worries me. When was the last time we developed a quality offensive lineman? Like uh, developed? No. I mean, jo, Jonah Williams was. You know, a first-round pick that's always been,
0: yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah, you know, it's been average, he was a, you know. But he was uh,
1: a, I think he was a top 10 or 11 pick as well. Yeah, so he's yeah, kind of yeah. someone that not should be a guarantee, but that should come with a very high ceiling and a very low floor. So you can't really look at that and say we necessarily got the most out of him. You know, he's never been a pro bowler. So, mm. you know, it does worry you a bit, you know, doesn't it? Like Cordell Volson, who's a third-round pick, I think, third or fourth-round pick, and you know again you're not expecting the world from a third or fourth round pick but you know based on the start he had played every game pretty much last year you kind of felt like you know you said it and early about camper from saying he, you know he lost all this um fat mass he was all muscle and he was you know people were raving about this might be his year and yeah 48.2 pff grade through six games not you know not no, you know the no. absolute bottom of the barrel but certainly does make you question you know frank pollock and you know, our ability as a team to sort of generate and develop some of these offensive linemen.
0: Yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Not knowing what Frank does or, you know, um, but the fact is that it's been a pretty wretched, pretty wretched line. No, it's not wretched this year. It's been uh, just below average, I'd say. Um, but certainly in the past couple of years since Frank's come back, the line has struggled. So, how much do you put on, Frank, or how much do you put on? Uh, his shoulders I don't know he talks a good game and he's very likeable and as fans we all love him and obviously wish him the best but yeah um, difficult one difficult one isn't it um,
1: just just a quick one from me as well just on that subject of players that perhaps haven't done enough yet and I know he's missed quite a few games he hasn't been on the field that much yet but Joseph Versailles just one of those players that you're kind of desperate to take a step forward I think he could be a really yeah, good player yeah I mean
0: he came but, at, the, at the end of last year he played really well didn't he and then Obviously, the Kansas game was, you know, a bit of an aberration. But I think, I thought he would have, well, he probably did. I think he almost definitely did. He came into the season with a huge chip on his shoulder and wanted to prove everyone wrong. And again, he hasn't quite been the menace that he has been um, or was the the end of last year. And So, yeah, we're not getting that much from Miles Murphy either. And uh, he's easing his way into things and hopefully things will the game will get slow for him, and he can he can really really show us what he's made of. Um, but yeah, no, I I I agree. I'd like to see Osai uh, contribute a bit more, really. Um, but saying that, in the defense, I think, you know, certainly in the past couple of weeks, well, certainly against the Seahawks, I thought were excellent. Um, you know, all those you know kind of red zone stops, superb, played with real intensity lots of sacks, you know what I mean? It was it was good stuff, so let's hope they can keep that going. Right, your turn, Nathan. Number four, I believe. Or oh, no, five.
1: Number five, yeah. Um, my last, I don't know, it's a difficult one really, isn't it? But just your take on what it's going to need wins-wise this year to get us over the line, just a bit of a holistic look at the rest of this season, what you think it's got in store for us.
0: Oh man! I mean, I was driving back from London, thinking about that very thing actually, because I was listening to the around the NFL podcast, and they were talking about the Steelers game, and they were talking about the Ravens game, and they were talking about the Browns game, and they were uh, they were saying that you know it was it was pretty much the Miles Garrett show in the first half uh, for the Browns. You know, TJ Watt had that kind of uh, interception. I think it was pick, pick six, wasn't it, for TJ Watt last night? Yep. Yep. Um, and they only showed any sort of offense in the final quarter. Um, um, and yet they're four and two. But we've got to play the Steelers twice, and I think we'll we will win at least one of those games. Um. We've got to go to the Ravens, and that's going to be tough, depending on which Ravens we get. Because if we get the Ravens from yesterday, we could be in a bit of trouble. Um, if we get the Ravens from the previous two weeks, then you'd have to say, you know, it's certainly a winnable game if we play to our, you know, kind of abilities. Um, I think the Bills are pretty inconsistent, so that's a winnable game at home, I would say. Yep. Uh, Houston, a winnable game, although they're very admirable and they're showing much more than signs of life. I would I would pick us to win that game. Same with the Colts, you know, tricky team, but, dep- you know, you're not going to get a consistent Gardner Minshew every week, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Chiefs is going to going to be tough, let's face it. Again, you know, it's not like we don't have a chance, but it's going to be tough. The 49 is obviously going to be tough, but you look at how... I just hope we will talk about this in a bit. But, um, you know, I don't know, man. I think it might take 11. 11. We've got to get 11 wins. And at this moment, the way we're playing, I think we said it last week, they are not a just because the inconsistent way they're playing. But if they start to play anything like they can, then they are capable of putting a run together. They are capable of going into San Francisco and getting a win. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's, um, yeah. you know, F- Debo's going to be out, I think. Um, yeah. For a couple of games, um, I'm not sure what uh, the status of McCaffrey is.
1: Um, they reckon he's playing tonight, but he's got that oblique injury. But I mean, that's right, an injury right, that right. if he plays tonight, I can't believe they're going to give him a full workload because yeah, that's an injury right. that the more you play, the more the worse it'll get. And yeah, yeah. you know, for them, it's a short week. You know, they're playing tonight; they've got to play Sunday. Obviously, the games. You know, in San Francisco for them, but that does give the Bengals a bit of an advantage. You know, we've got a two-week break um, between games; they've got literally what five days, six days. So yeah. that's potentially you know decent for us. I think it's interesting. You said eight wins. You know, that'd get us to eleven wins total from here. My number, I think, is is seven. I, I I'm not saying for a for a fact that with ten wins that'd be enough. I think you might just about squeak. A wild card spot if you won the right sort of games if that makes sense you won some afc games you beat some teams in your own division and you know that was the way you got there but i think but even if this team plays really well and it does step up a level i'm not sure how this team goes eight and three against that schedule i mean it would be a 100
0: it would be fantastic but i think you know again if we can hit Not the heights, but as long as we play much better and a much more kind of rounded... I mean, we're talking offence here, let's face it, really. The defence looks to be coming together and they're going to have their hands full against San Francisco. But bloody hell, um, they've got to step it up or else we're, we're doomed. I will say this, though. I think at this moment in time, I think the Ravens are going to win the division. And... It's up for grabs who comes second and, and, no, and squeaks in. I agree and with that. I I'm not sure if the Browns are gonna do it because their quarterback situation seems to be all over the shop. What, yeah, I agree. The, I agree. Watson, as much as he's loathsome, um, he looks as though he's gonna be sort of battling against injury for the rest of the season. Um PJ Walker, bless him, I don't know whether you can win 11 games with PJ Walker, no offence to him. No, no, I agree. They've got some cracking players, the Browns. They really have. You know, I'm a big fan of Amari Cooper. Obviously, Garrett is a complete wrecking ball. Steelers, again, they're going to grind, but I reckon they're going to lose, you know, that they're going to get to nine wins again, maybe.
1: Yeah, no, I exactly. agree. So the
0: door is open a little bit. Yeah. We've got to beat the Browns, and we've got to beat the Steelers a couple of times Yeah, uh, if we can, but. I think the door is open. I I do. It's just whether we can get to those levels again. and
1: you I, I think, I think you've hit the nail on the head and agree with you totally in there. We have to beat the Steelers twice and the Browns. That's your key to getting there, you know, is winning those sort of games and you've got to think we're better than those teams. You know, we're better, much better at quarterback than them. You've got much better offensive But have we, have, are than them. we so far this season? I would say no. No, definitely not. I mean, there's no doubt about that and the Browns handled us but the Browns, that was when they had Watson and Nick Chubb was playing yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do think that... It'll come to catch the Browns and the Steelers up. They were both quite fortunate yesterday to get to get those wins. In fact, very fortunate with some of those calls that went for them. You know, I think as the season comes, they'll they'll be the same boat as us. They've got to play each other. They've got to play some of these very good teams in the AFC. They're gonna slip up, I think, as you go. They're very well coached, they'll make the most of what they've got. But I do think that Ultimately, um, they'll trip themselves up along the way. So, the, the thing I think is, and obviously, you know, I, this is a very long uh, number five of the six, <laughs> it all starts with the 49ers this weekend. And that's, I don't want to just sort of place it all on one game, but if you could go and get, you know, go away to the 49ers who are playing very, very well at the moment, a lot of people say they're their favourites for the Super Bowl. If you could go away and turn them over that the whole outlook from there on out is like right, yep, okay, cool. The Bengals are back on the map here we go, you know, then you've got the Bills at home, you're at home, it's, you know, the I think it's a Sunday night game, that one against the Bills, the lights on. Don't I know it, mate, I'll be there. Well, of course you do. And, I mean, you know, that's where I think you just take it one game at a time. But if you this 49ers game, I think if you lose that game against the 49ers, you're feeling, you know, like that game against the Bills all of a sudden becomes like last it chance. Does, it does, game.
0: but if we can get to, say, the at the end of the Bills game at 4-4... Four and four, then I wouldn't, you know, I'd still think no, there's I a agree. good chance, you know. But, yeah, I just think I think what you're looking for against the 49ers, bearing in mind we've been blown out by the Browns and the Titans this year, um, we want to be competitive against the 49ers. We want it to be, you know, a really good game. And that even if we lost that but played well, I think that would say to me, right, they mean business and they're going to, let's hope they can carry that form on until... Uh, against the bills and then we i think we play is it the houston's yeah i think we play the houston's afterwards don't we and then the steelers at the end of uh, of november so yeah i mean it's all down to those guys isn't it really so um right my final one i'm um we talked about miles garrett and uh tj watt um and i sort of add in roquan smith for the ravens the ravens are kind of Funny, aren't they they're like top 5 defence and you kind of think what really really um, but all three of those teams have got wrecking balls they've got three players who can take over games and I even though our defence is fantastic and I love DJ Reader to bits I think I don't know have we got a wrecking ball do you think
1: well his name if he, you'd want to consider it's a Trey Hendrickson Trey. isn't it it's Trey I know, Hendrickson I do know what you mean like um, an
0: absolute Beast, an absolute beast, but they're saying that not to be too unfair. I think we do have a bit of one this year, and that's Trey Hendrickson because he has taken over games when we've needed it. So I just wanted to tip my hat to Trey Hendrickson because I think he's been sensational this the start to this year.
1: No, he has been, and I mean, you, you need him to carry on. And the one thing that always worries me with Trey Hendrickson, and this is no disrespect to Sam Hubbard or any of those other guys, but. He's your elite pass rusher on that line. And I think behind him, you're not going to get a guy that's going to get into double-digit sacks. There's no one out there that's got that, I don't think, really in the locker, um, especially if he went down and took away some of the you know, sort of double teams and stuff like that. Teams know he's the best guy for the job in that sense. And, you know, it's, it's it's fun having an elite pass rusher on your team, someone that you know that can get in there, cause a bit of trouble. I mean, you just look at the way Miles Garrett played in that game last night. I mean, it was just completely out of this world. He's jumping over, um, you know, jumping over coverage for field goals and blocking kicks. He's swatting away passes. He's sacking people. You know, he just all over the place just like you you said completely taking over games and that is something that you know I I do sort of miss for us you look back at those years with Gino when he was playing as well as he could and he was just smashing people over and you know rushing the quarterback I mean it's absolutely frightening for quarterbacks and you just gotta hope Trey can keep going. I mean, he has looked fantastic, to be fair to the geezer. You know, you but you you look at people on the roster like Miles Murphy. He's the sort of guy you'd love to just, you know, come on a bit next season. I don't think you're gonna see too much of Miles Murphy, you know, really this season. But someone like him to really step up and be um yeah, a bit of a beast on that line would be huge for huge for our off defence.
0: So there we go, there's our pick. Six uh, lots of food for thought. We, as I say, we hope we uh, uh, we can get back on track, or at least play more consistently. I think that's the key, isn't it? Um, there's been flashes of superb play throughout all of these six games, but then there's been long patches of real drudgery, <laughs> isn't there? And it's kind of really not the start that we expected. But um, and I do get the feeling that they are battling some adversity inside that. Locker room. I'm not. I'm not saying that. Like you know, it's a bad atmosphere. Because quite the opposite. The the atmosphere looks and sounds good. But you know, it feels like they they're even kind of quite flummoxed as to why they've started so inconsistently. Um, we haven't we have mentioned Jamar Chase has been absolutely fantastic. As as we've said before, he's kind of he's almost wide receiver, deep threat, possession receiver, tight end, running back, all in one. You know what I mean? I I mean. Goodness me! He is the he is the Bengals MVP so far. Let's face it. There's no yeah, there's yeah. no argument about that. Um, so great to see him banging form. Let's hope he continues. I would like T to step up. I'd like to see Tyler Boyd. I mean, uh, I mean, he was good in that first half against uh, Seattle, but he's been quiet, you know, this season as well. Um, yeah, just everyone needs to pick it up. Everyone does. I mean, let's face it. Everyone needs to pick it up and. Uh, They've got an opportunity to show what they're all about um against the 49ers um, I do fear for that interior offensive line though I, against that against that 49ers defensive line bloody hell um but I we're think both, they've got I think both. they've got to be bold I th- just think they've got to be bold they and this goes down to Zach we haven't really mentioned it but Zach and Brian as well yeah but Zach and Callie need to take the shackles off none of the well not none but um to to vary it a little bit and to uh, to get some invention in, then they did a little bit against the Seahawks you know to, to good effect but they were still throwing these kind of screens and swing passes and all the rest of it um, so yeah I don't know it's uh, we'll see what happens but I would like Zach and Callie to be a bit bolder to try and hit some shots downfield a little bit more uh, to open the, the game up uh, you know so we'll see we will see
1: well, yeah, I mean, it's certainly... I mean, you talk about the Bengals' offense struggling through the first six weeks of the season. If there's one place to try and turn it around that's going to be tough, it is away at the 49ers. But, I mean, the only thing I'd say with the 49ers, Nick Bosa held out, didn't he? And he's. He, I don't think he's had quite the start to the season that he's used to. Um, so maybe you're catching him perhaps slightly off, you know, away from his best. And like I said, you've got to think that 49ers playing Monday night, only got a quick turnaround. That, that's got to be something... You know for the Bengals to have two weeks of the coaches to look at these guys and say look how can we scheme this into Mm -hmm. you know a productive result for them because the Bengals you know they are out there full strength if you would said after the bye week you were coming into this and Joe Burrow had two weeks and he was looking at his best and you know T Higgins now has had three weeks since that rib injury I mean I'm not saying he's gonna be 100% but you'd like to think he's okay Burrow's out there the line's fully intact so There's no excuses, really. I mean, you can still say, oh, you know, Joe Burrows' calf might not be 100%, but, you know, not many players are out there playing at exactly 100%. You know, you saw Jalen Hurts doing it last night with a knee brace on. You know, Trevor Lawrence did it this week. You know, there was a lot of people saying that he wasn't going to play.
0: Well, there we go. Sorry about that. Uh, I didn't cut Nathan off deliberately, although that's pretty much the only way that you can shut him up these days. Uh, My audio card uh, was full and uh, it stopped recording. So uh, apologies to you, apologies to Nathan, apologies to everyone. I feel like I've let everyone down on that one. Um, But there we go. We did manage to to squeeze out uh, a little cheeky episode for the bye week. I hope that gave you lots of food for thought. Let's hope the guys can really kick on and improve in the second, well, not really the second half of the season, but the second bit of the season, really. Uh, we will be back next week to discuss the 49ers game. We're planning another meet-up in November, so look out for that. You can say hello on uh, Twitter at Whoday underscore UK, uh, UK on Facebook. Uh, but in the meantime, it is a hooday from me. <laughs>